Hi, I'm David McMillan from Performance Property Data, and this is Property Insiders. Today we're sitting with Greg Stafford, the ex-AFL legend. Greg, is that fair to say? Oh, I think if we're going to keep on an honest track here, Dave, we, we should not call me a legend, that's okay. for sure. Well, mate, you played 204 <laughs> games, so you must have been pretty good. You've obviously got a quite a famous uh, career on the field, but since you finished football, maybe if you want to tell the, the listeners you know, what you've been doing and, and, and what, why we're talking today. Uh, towards the end of my footy career, uh, I started to study building with a view to becoming a, a registered builder post-football, which I did and started my own building company, which I've been running for about 12 years, which I, you know, I'm passionate about and love. About four years ago, I took up a role as ruck coach at Melbourne Football Club. Also, because again, that's another passion, you know, developing young talent and seeing them improve. And then uh, as well as that, about six months ago, obviously you and I met and we mm. started talking about another thing I'm quite passionate about and making sure that sort of young uh, AFL players and athletes in general, sort of getting understanding of how we can help them in their decision-making around property investment. Mm. So I've, I've always been one, whether it was starting out as a, an AFL player at 18 all the way through to as I sit here today, I can only really engage in things that I'm passionate about. Mm. And I was passionate as a AFL player, I'm passionate about building, I love ruck coaching and as I find myself today, I'm really enthused and excited about getting an education across to, to young AFL players about you know what it is to, to make good investment decisions because I've seen firsthand players through no fault of their own, perhaps their own ignorance and, and lack of understanding around investment, lose a lot of money and, and derail their whole financial security. Mm because of one or two bad decisions, you know, in their playing days. And unfortunately, the nature of being an athlete is that you, you can do it for 10 years. If everything goes well, you stay fit and you perform. Mm. You, it can be quite lucrative, mm. which is great because they deserve it, but making sure that they understand what, you know, good investment looks like. So they get the most out of that 10 years because after then, you know, for all intents and purposes, they, they have to fend for themselves. So, yeah, that, that's great, man. Let's, let's explore that. The, the, the topic of today is really about sporting professionals and then building property portfolios. And the first question that um, I really want to put to you is around what are the, you know, what's unique about a sporting professional building a property portfolio? Well, I suppose it's around their earning capacity as young people would yep. be greater than a lot of the people around them or their schoolmates. You know, when they're in their early 20s while their mates are sort of etching out careers in whatever they're doing, they're probably at ground level, whereas young athletes in most of the sports these days are getting well paid. And what, what are they paid, Greg, like when they come out of, you know, on the rookie list or, what, you know, what do they get? It does vary depending on where you're taking the draft and things like that, mm. but it's certainly years two, three, four, five, the, the separation about what you get paid becomes apparent. Yeah. And that's when you talk about investment for young people that are earning good money. Mm. Well, most people in the community, they're sort of 35, 40 when they're earning that same sort of money if they're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. But with that, they have the maturity around having lived and and understand a, thing, uh, a few things about life mm. as far as where they should be putting their money that perhaps not every 22-year-old athlete mm. knows what makes good and not so good investment, I suppose. And so on that basis, I suppose it's really important to get it right? Well, particularly when you consider a, you know, a young athlete, if 
everything goes well. Mm. They might have a 10-year career. Mm. Now, the thing about being an athlete is it's not always your attitude that determines the success that you have in sport. It may well be that you have a series of injuries that prevent you from becoming what you really should have been, Mm. but it is what it is. Mm. So as much as you've got the talent Mm. and the drive, sometimes things conspire against you. So Mm. you might be earning some money for a couple of years, but it could go very quickly. And the thing, sorry, the thing about a sporting career mm. is it doesn't have the shelf life as you know your everyday surgeon or plumber or you know who can ride this career out for forty years. So when you're talking about investment and making sure that you you strike well with what you've got, time heals a lot of investments, but you don't have the time as an athlete because it's a ten year window to get things right. So then it leads me to the, the question that I have is: Do you think that the clubs or the teams around these guys are good in the property sector? You know, is the advice there yet? Is it ethical? What clubs have done over the years is built a welfare arm to them, Mm. and that's been terrific. In as far as making sure that players are looked after from a welfare point of view about, you know, how they're feeling, uh, any support they need around education Mm. and researching programs to, to better themselves or even just from a sounding board and and how you're going sort of scenario. When you start to deal with investment advice, it's very uh, murky waters because it only takes one uh, suggestion from club land to player that doesn't go well and then it creates a whole series of problems, which I'm sure clubs don't want to go down. So as far as advising players on that, no, they're not quite up to speed with that and I feel like that's perhaps where... You know, we could we could do some good work. So the clubs leave the players to sort of reach their own conclusions on the finance side, because you know there are good and bad advisors out there, and and it's really up to them to find those advisors. And what's your advice then for a young player who's you know making good money, recognizes that his career might be short, seven years or ten years or whatever it is. Um, your advice is to buy, get into property. Would you say that that's fair? Well, I think history suggests that investment in property or the right property has been good for a lot of people for many years. Mm. So that's certainly one vehicle. It's not the only one out there, Mm. but I think it's part of the Australian psyche to own bricks and mortar and and the comfort with that provides. Mm. Certainly over time, it's shown that the right investment in the right property has done well. Mm. So of course, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know that players are putting their money in a place that, that's going to work as hard as what they do in their own careers, and, and property is one of them. Property has done well, and those people that know what they d- they're doing have done well in property. But players are players, and players focus on their profession. And so you've been around a long time in the AFL community. What percentage of players actually make use of the high incomes that they have and actually get the right information and execute the right strategy? It'd be very hard for me to speculate mm. on just what is quite a notional concept. As mm. oh, who's what about your... in your experience with people that you know? Well, uh, I think 90% or 95% of players will invest in property at yep. some point during their playing days. Yep. So from that point of view, they're all making perhaps the right decision on face value. Having said that, as we well know, no two properties are the same and there's things like off-the-plan apartments and there's also blue-chip investments in houses in great suburbs and there's um, places that are on main roads and next to 
undesirable locations and there's others that are, are really good. So it's not just about investment in property. I think it's important. It's, it's investing in the right property at the right time. And and that's what I'm trying to get to. You know, there's a million different ways to mess property up and there's three or four strategies that if executed well will, will prove to be a really solid wealth tool for these young guys. Yeah. But how many get it right? Like in your experience, I mean, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get a percentage out there because uh, one of the reasons why we're talking is because we know that a large percentage get it wrong and they burn their high salary and they finish their careers and perhaps they're not on the same income and they look back with regret. And when you and I sort of met, that's what we're kind of passionate about, bridging that gap. You know, have you got some sort of numbers in your mind? From I, I don't. I must admit, I think... You know, my experience is mostly with Melbourne and Sydney markets yep. because I played at Sydney and, of course, then moved to Melbourne. So you've got two residential markets that have performed really well over time. Mm-hmm. So without putting a lot of intel into decision-making around investment in property, guys that I've been around in those two markets have done well purely by virtue of being in really good markets. Yeah. Now, if I had to think about how diligent they were and, and we all were in how we selected property, I would think there wasn't a heap of science behind it, you know, unlike the sort of science that we invest in everything we put in front of our clients. Mm. So I think it's been more just being in the right place at the right time and knowing that really to pick the wrong product in the city and Melbourne markets in the times that I was there, you really would have done well to pick something bad. But but some people did, right? Yeah, and then they're the ones that I'm talking about sort of off-the-plan apartments in Melbourne. So so those that did get it wrong, the number one trap was off-plan apartments, was it? Or off-plan in general? Just off-plan and, and sort of developers where they're setting the, the price point and really players not doing the due diligence that they should, not understanding the true value of what they're buying. Yeah. And the investment potential of it. Yeah. And I think that's the, the thing is that most people, developers, offer seven, eight, nine percent comms to whoever's pushing those products. So most people, because of the amount of money that's spent on marketing those products, most people actually start down the off plan route. The difference for the normal person, and we work with a lot of doctors, is they'll go down the off plan route. They'll work it's not the right way for them to go down. They'll lose money, but then they've got another 30 years to make it up. So the player, and one of the messages that you know we're trying to get across is the player doesn't have a lot of time and a 30 or 40-year high-paying career to get it right, and therefore um, there are some very easy things that they can do to protect themselves, and that's kind of where we're kind of angling with this, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah. And, and the thing, it's also the career that they have post-football. Now, yeah. some will be lucky enough to go on and have careers that pay equally as good as the careers they had in football. Mm. Having said that, that's that's the exception to the rule. And so what you'll see is quite a drop-off from what they were earning through their playing days. Mm. So as far as trying to hold on to property and, and expecting time to heal all those bad investment wounds, it's not going to happen because they're not going to be in a position to hold those properties throughout that time. Mm. And the interesting thing about property cycles is they're actually very similar to the uh, player's lifespan cycles. And if you have a look at um, the contraction cycle, so that is properties not growing, a lot of properties, when they hit a lull phase in the market, they won't grow for seven years. So if we look at the, uh, and we're talking about this earlier, but if we're looking at the Fremantle and West Coast players, if in the last seven or eight years they've bought over there using the whole, I live in Perth, I want to buy in Perth methodology, they would have bought at the start of their career. And by the end of their career, that property that they bought will have done nothing had they got advice and bought on the east coast at the time because melbourne and sydney were showing a lot of value they would have doubled their money and they would have been you know well placed at the end of their careers so you know what what are the takeaways you know after we've met what are the sort of and we've been working together quite a lot recently 
you know, what, what are the sort of top couple of things that they can do to protect themselves are? Well, obviously, um, just getting away from protecting, but just making a decision around is it about wealth creation through property? Yep. And in which case, if that's the case, well, you've got to take the blinkers off and look at the country as your backyard for investment, yep. not just, you know, the streets that exist around you. But And then past that, it's about due diligence, understanding the value of property yep. and knowing where those different areas are in their cycle. So, yep. you know, understand that you want to be buying at the bottom of a rising market. Yep. So you're taking advantage of that. So whether you're out in two, three years because of unforeseen circumstances like you do a knee mm. or you get cut from a list, mm. at least you know you, from day one where you're sort of getting gains on those properties. And I imagine the bottom of the cycle, the, the concept of that, is perhaps quite hard for some players to get their head around because it is a bit of a journey to, you know, it's 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 a lot of books and a lot of um, research to understand that. But we will be going out there to a number of uh, clubs and presenting um, over the next sort of six months on some of the very basic concepts around how you can protect yourself, how you can um, give you the best chance of making money. And uh, we look forward to sort of getting out on the road. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hopefully that was insightful to a lot of players. And we look forward to bringing you a new uh, Property Insider segment soon. Thanks for joining us on Property Insiders. We'll be back in four weeks with another expert to share their knowledge and experience. Until then, you can tune in to Performance Insights every week where we'll give you the lowdown on property markets around the country. Also, check out the website performancepropertydata.com.au to learn more about how you can access our research reports to help you maximize your investments. The Performance Property Data podcast is available through iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. As always, please check out the Performance Property Data social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook and the Property Pineapple on Instagram. I'm David McMillan. Thanks for listening.